0: If come with me. hey everybody welcome to sequelitis welcome to sequelitis hey, i'm matt and i am manny and we're here this week to talk about halloween themed things And specifically, we're here to talk
1: about Stephen King stories that have gone on to become cinematic properties.
0: Yeah, there's a big resurgence in Stephen King that's going on right now. Uh, It was kind of funny because The Dark Tower came out, and that was one that the fans have been waiting for for a long time. And then that one sort of tanked. And then uh, It, which was a remake of something that was done a long time ago, came out, and that one was a big success. So he kind of rebounded. Um, in spite of himself and in, in spite of the dark tower
1: well i feel like there was a much bigger audience and following for it because it has already been um, a very well received uh, adaptation uh, with the original miniseries and so there are people there are plenty of people that have never read the book that are familiar with the story of it and pennywise the clown um, you know it's it's Penny, that that story is part of the reason why there's the whole creepy clown um, niche markets when it comes to like Halloween costumes. And, you know, when you go to your stupid haunted hay rides, there's at least 50 creepy clown characters and they're all lame as hell. But it's because there are people that they either saw It or It just tapped into something that nobody before Stephen King realized was there,
0: which is people are fucking creeped out by clowns. I'm scared of clowns also. And for me, it was the movie It and it was also Killer Clowns from Outer Space. that <laughs> used to come on HBO all the time around the same time that The Monster Squad would come on that would come on. Did you ever see that one? uh monster squad yeah I no love monster no squad. killer clowns <laughs> from outer space
1: uh i probably watched it back in the 90s when i was a kid and rolled my eyes through it and and didn't even finish it um but i don't know that's 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 me trying to be cool and have some cred right now you should um, see that
0: one it's a weird movie
1: oh no i'd definitely watch it right now um but i'm not paying to watch it like yeah. it's got to be on netflix or something and I know yeah. people are like, will you pay for Netflix, stupid? No, I don't. I use somebody else's account. And then they use
0: my Hulu account. So I sort of pay for it. You got me. Wow. That's bold. <laughs> <laughs> I have the same kind of thing, though. I pay for Netflix and then you I use share my a... HBO? Not yours. I use my sister's HBO. Oh, okay. I'll, I will use yours. Though. I thought you were using it. I'm not mine. afraid. I'll use it right now. Anyway, let's edit this part out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, but the movie, uh, they, they did... They did a uh, proper remake of it. Uh, it was very highly anticipated. It was very successful. Um, and we both saw it. Yes, we saw it. And I, I've got to say right off the bat, it was a, a big improvement on the original miniseries. I know that there are going to be some people that, for them, there will never be a Pennywise that is better than uh, Tim Curry's uh, version of him that was in that miniseries. And there was some really there's some really entertaining choices that he made in that miniseries. But the whole thing is a goddamn mess. Um and I feel like there's a lot of improvements that they made with this remake. But I'm not going to sit here and try and claim like the remake was flawless or anything like that. There's there's quite a few problems with uh the remake, but still I'd have to say like I'd grade it out as a B plus.
0: Yeah, I felt like the remake, on its face, was was kind of forgettable. Cause I'm struggling right now even to remember some of the details of what even happened. Um, and the original one was not forgettable. So I mean, you got to give it you got to give it the credit for that that much at least. Uh, but with the remake, it felt so much like Stranger Things. I know that they were sort of going for that. But you know, they cast one of the kids from Stranger Things. It felt like Stranger Things, but kind of like a little bit better, which is sort of bad on Stranger Things itself. Um, but it was it was so weird because the monster was not like well defined as to what what it did, what powers it had. It was like there was the whole scene where the bathroom was so bloody, and it was like some people could see the blood and some couldn't. But then they cleaned up the blood, and it's like how can you clean up imaginary blood? Like that didn't make any sense to me. Like I just I wasn't following a lot of the logic of what was supposed to be going on.
1: Well, and that's the problem that's inherent to, to just the genre itself. That uh,
0: you were saying this before
1: we started recording, which is that um, the the real problem with horror films is that if you if you spend any amount of time thinking about things logically, that it the premise itself gets so far removed from reality that it's really difficult to feel scared or threatened or creeped creeped out about anything in it outside of just the the base imagery because it does get to that impossible point to where you just can't relate to it at all. Um, Yeah, Because it doesn't feel like these scenarios are real. It doesn't feel like this is any kind of situation you would ever find yourself in. Um, I think that they did try to create some moments in this to where it did seem like it, you did get a, a sense of like a real place and a real time period. Like, unlike th- with the original story and with the original miniseries, they they moved the the time period up, and so this was set in 1985, was it?
0: Something um, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, but you know they they have the marquees and they did the very like it, it's crazy because Stranger Things was definitely inspired by um, by it and Stephen King and now you're seeing this remake of it be inspired by something that was inspired by it it's it's this weird kind of meta thing going on yeah, but it's
0: like the snake eating its own tail kind
1: of a thing but with with the with the monster and what the monster does and and how it operates it it did become something to where there are a lot of times to where it felt more silly than it really did scary and i i've got to say that there are only a couple of moments watching this film to where it was it did feel like really creepy to me, but it felt more kind of creepy on like being like on like a fun sort of like spooky mansion ride more so than actually like being like, holy shit, this is gonna haunt my nightmares. Like I slept perfectly that night and I haven't had a single like, there's been no nightmares or anything like that. Like if somebody, I'm sure I'll see 50 stupid um, It remake Pennywise the Clowns this Halloween not a single one of them I'm going to am I going to be like oh god that's creepy and scary and I'm like oh it's kind of cool in fact uh I saw this thing today my girlfriend showed me somebody took a chihuahua and dressed it up like pennywise the clown and put a little red balloon with it and took a picture of it standing in a in a storm drain and it was hilarious and adorable and that's that's the level that it's taken to and um you know it it, it it's kind of unfortunate because I feel like there is a um, a great um there's a lot of material to mine from there to really like play with just the imagination but because uh so many horror movies now have moved away from the more kind of restrained like let you be scared by the things that you can't see than trying to scare you with the things that they show you and um there's a There's a phrase for it, and I cannot think of it right now, but they're basically beating you over the head with the imagery mm-hmm. and that just prevents it gets in it its own way, it prevents it from truly being horrifying and scary and mm-hmm. actually haunting you
0: yeah, well, I actually am scared of clowns, and I felt like the clown from it wasn't as scary as the clowns that kind of hopped my nightmares like I felt like they really they missed an opportunity with that the thing about the thing that's weird about clowns it's like. There's a real person, but they have like a painted face on, and the whole, especially like they have the painted frown. That's like the, the weirdest thing. Because like their eyes look one way, but then their frown looks a different way. It's, <laughs> <clears throat> it's just so weird. It's like, get out of my face, clowns. Clowns and people on stilts. Those are the two things that haunt my dreams. If I see a person on stilts or a clown, I'll just turn in the opposite direction and walk away. Yeah. Well, the other problem with this story is, too, is that
1: because it's so well-known, you you go into the movie pretty much knowing how this story's going to turn out. So that makes it really difficult to feel threatened because if they would have done something as bold as actually killing one of these main kids, uh, that could have made a big difference and maybe um, disturbing people a little bit more. But this film never this film never gave me the impression that it was willing to go that far. Uh, because even in a moment to where like you have one character, you're, you're always just thinking to yourself, like why hasn't, why hasn't Pennywise killed any of these kids? Like right. why hasn't it killed any of these kids? It's had plenty of opportunities to, and instead it's just, it's, it's more just kind of like relishing and like freaking them out. And, 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 pushing them into the corner and then allowing them to escape at the last second. And it's just kind of toying with them with no sense of like, well, okay, it's only going to do that once or twice and then it's really going to pounce and rip them to shreds. And that never happens.
0: Yeah, and it just doesn't make sense.
1: It it does, to be fair, it does kill off poor Georgie at the very beginning. And that was something to where I thought, I thought like, oh man, this is going to be a brutal fucking film because uh, whereas in the original miniseries like Pennywise goes to bite off Georgie's arm but it Mm -hmm. doesn't like this one spoilers it, it bites off Georgie's arm and then you see poor Georgie flopping around like screaming with a stump of an arm just bleeding out into the street before he gets dragged down in the sewer and that's what the film needed more of yeah it started at this really high note and then it just kind of like fell off not into schlock but it was more kind of like it was. It, it became more like Stranger Things.
0: You're right. Well, it opens with that the most famous scene from the miniseries. That was their whole. That that was kind of where they they started off strong. But it also set off with an expectation that you can't really follow. And when when the first kid that it attacks, it actually murders brutally. You know, you kind of feel like okay, that's what we have in store. You know, it's going to find each one of these kids, find their weakest place, and then kill them. And then it just doesn't. And I guess that would be more of like a slasher kind of a formula but you know that formula works for a reason you know with this it was like it was hard to understand where the stakes were because it never actually killed anybody except for the first scene. And yeah it, and
1: and it killed characters that you never saw that you you didn't get to know you don't know what happened to them and that's the thing is like that's what makes it horrifying is to think about not only the murder of children but a a brutal and savage murder Of children where they're like they're they're getting dismembered and mutilated while alive and you're seeing them writhing and screaming in pain and like that's not something that's something that makes you uncomfortable because it should make you uncomfortable it's a horrific thing i mean with an adult it's horrific if that happens to them but at least an adult you can expect that they can put up a fight whereas with children like children are defenseless like the toughest kid could not take out the weakest adult and so that's where it becomes you know, truly horrifying to think that these kids have to fend for themselves against this unstoppable force that none of the adults can see, and all of that was there, and they just didn't take advantage of it. And I think part of the reason for that was because number one, they didn't want they didn't want to comp- they didn't want to take a chance on not having the box office turnout that they had, and also that um, you know I, I don't know what Carrie Fukunaga's uh, you know, final vision was for this film. But when he was involved, some of the ideas that have kind of come out that he wanted to go with seemed like it, it was something that would have been a lot more horrific. And, you know, something that you don't walk out of the theater and go, yeah, that was pretty good. And then by the next morning, you've forgotten most of the film.
0: Yeah, that was this movie for sure. Very yeah. forgettable. Now, what do you remember about the original miniseries? Well, um, you know, I remember... First, I've got to say that I remember my friend telling me about the book. He was getting me all hyped up about it. And he was telling me that there's this real... It's like a coming of age kind of a story. And there's this real famous bit where... Emphasis on coming. <clears throat> right. And there's this real famous bit in the book where all the kids f- involved in the storyline all have sex together. Have you ever heard that before? Uh, they,
1: they have sex with Bev. They don't have sex with each other. The boys all have sex with the girls.
0: Yeah. And, um, and I remember that always being like, especially when you're a little kid and you hear some shit like that, you're just like, wow, like, that's that's really, that's out there, you know?
1: Which, that's not even really the, the craziest uh, sex thing that Stephen King has done in a book, and of course, this book was, was written during, um, you know, Stephen King's white powder period, where he's coked out and wrote a bunch of stories on on coke, and some of them didn't even remember doing. Um but uh, yeah, like I, I think I tried reading it when I was a kid, but it was a huge book. Yeah. Um, and I'm surprised that my mom let me read any of Stephen King's books because, even in you know a story like uh, I, read, I read, um, the one about the aliens, um, Tommyknockers, I read that, and there's this little bit that just kind of comes out of nowhere about a father molesting his kids. And, like, for me, I'd never read anything like that before in my life. And he doesn't, like, describe it in graphic detail, but he also, you know, puts enough in there that you know exactly what is going on and how it's affecting people. And so reading that as a kid, I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And with, um, with the, the orgy scene in the book, it, um, it's, it's crazy because the way people describe it... Like, if you said, like, okay, so the story goes along, it's about all these prepubescent kids, mm-hmm. and at one point they all stop and they have sex with each other, and that goes on for five pages. Uh, your mind <laughs> your mind comes up with worse details than apparently what's actually on the page. Right. But then there's another story called um, The Postman or something, and in that, that has, like, a four-page uh, graphic depiction of a man um, a well-endowed man molesting a boy. Mm-hmm. And it was so horrific that that the story is about this boy now grown up and how he's repressed that memory. And because of things that are happening in the story, he that, that memory com- surf- resurfaces for him. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the really fucked up sex things that, that Stephen King would, would include in his stories. Uh, it's like a 10-page short story, and like four pages of
0: it are dedicated to like... <laughs> Anal raping a fucking eight-year-old. That, that is, uh, that's out there. Uh, but I also, I remember from the movie that the, the main character from the Waltons was on it. Like, Little John or something, or John Walton. You're talking
1: about the miniseries now. Yeah, the miniseries.
0: Yeah. I remember he was in it, because I remember I watched the Waltons, for whatever reason. Uh, some of the things I remember about the miniseries is
1: that there's, there's really bad dialogue. There's some, there's some really terrible acting in it. Um, Tim Curry is, it's, it's so, his performance is so campy and some of the things that they do are so weird and bizarre that it it, it is really entertaining just to watch his scenes and what his character does. Um, but there's, there's editing and there's just a lot of like illogical things that they do and the making of it. Because of course, it, w- it was a TV miniseries. It was something that they showed on ABC. Mm-hmm. And for the time period, yeah, it, it was one of the scarier things out there. But now we're, we're so much more desensitized um, with, with a lot of movies that we've seen to where you know, something like that just seems downright childish. And again, it was, it was cool to see an update on it, and I'm really interested to see what they do with part two of it. Mm-hmm. but i really wish they would have pushed it a little bit further because they showed you that they were willing to go that far i just wish they would have continued to push that as far as they could all throughout the film because then it would have made it a lot more it would have made it a lot more memorable
0: don't you think yeah and and i, I also wonder was that scene at the end where they all like cut each other and like do like a blood pact was that supposed to be like the the substitute for them all having sex together
1: Maybe I can't remember if that was in the book or not. Um, But uh, they're not going to show kids having sex. That was, (laughs) dude. I mean, you want to talk about the movie being memorable? If they did like show all the boys having sex with that girl in order to figure out their way out of the sewer, like, yeah, that would have made sense. I mean, the reason why that happens in the book is uh, because there's there's uh, an inverse to the the entity that is it there's there's a good entity and that good entity is basically propelling the kids forward. And then once they've basically subdued it, then the good entity has no reason to keep propelling them forward and backs off. Well, that kind of leaves them in this like, sort of like fugue state to where they're just like, okay, where are we? How did we get here? How do we get out of here? Mm-hmm. And because Stephen King was on so much cocaine mm-hmm. that he was like, I know, they they got to, they gotta have sex with a girl, and that brings them back together. That gives them the sense of unity. And not all of them come, you know. Not all of them can can can, can, can do it because they're, they're kids. But some of them really do, man. And it's fucking beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> fucking creepy
0: ass, yes, even fucking creepy. Jesus. I just remember just because whenever my friend was telling me about the book, like that was the only detail that was really like relevant. It was like, yeah, clowns. Yeah, this, that, and the other. Yeah, the upside down world or whatever it's called but but these <laughs> kids have sex you know like that was the big thing I just remember that I mean I never read the book or anything but it just seems like if you're gonna if you're gonna make the story I mean that was the element that drew people in i mean if you heard there was a bunch of little kids having sex in that movie you'd probably go man that's really weird i'm gonna go see that i'm gonna see what happens how old are you when you hear about this you i mean you're definitely younger than 18 when someone tells
1: you that and you're like man i want to read about that i didn't read the book i had no desire to (laughs) when you're 12 and someone's like man this this crazy guy wrote this story about kids our age having sex after fighting a monster Yes, I want to read that. And then you pick the book up and you're like, what page is this on? Because I'm not reading this whole book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I mean, and without that element, I mean, you just got a bunch of annoying kids running around talking nonsense. I hated that fat kid, how he kept like looking in the history books and being like, I read about the history of the town, Beaver Creek or whatever, whatever it was called. Dairy. Beaver Dairy Creek. Yeah. And it's just so annoying, and the backstory didn't make any sense. The clown didn't make any sense. Um, it was enjoyable, like not at the very beginning, but like about 30 minutes into it, I was kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this right now. There was like a probably a good like 45-minute patch where I was like, yeah, I'm enjoying this movie. I like movies that start little kids. I think that can be really cool if it's done right. It felt like they were kind of cursing just to say like, hey, you know, we're making an R-rated movie cursing kids movie not because it really like serviced the story at all but you know I don't know it was okay yeah I think it's it's probably good to rent. I think if you're all excited about it you're really gonna be disappointed because it's it's not that great
1: yeah I mean it it like Pennywise in this movie seemed like he could run a really kick-ass haunted hayride like <laughs> the best haunted hayride in the nation but as far as like being a good like child murderer i don't know how he was able to rack up all his stats you know in, in the the previous decades because uh, he seemed pretty inept and by by the time the 80s rolled around like i don't know the, the reagan years like they must have cut his funding or something because yeah he was just like he was pulling some bullshit you know
0: yeah and like, he's like i'm gonna
1: scare you but i'm not gonna hurt you
0: Yeah, and then once all the kids were kinda there together and they're like waving sticks at him all of a sudden he was like, Hey, hey Hey, (laughs) Come on now, don't 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 go, hey kids, put the sticks down, you know. Come on, kids. Come on, we we can talk about this. Let's let's talk this out. Hey, no, I mean like the bully. Pennywise
1: the dancing clown. The bully was was more of a threat to the kids than than Pennywise was through most of this movie. Like, yeah. like he just kind of I don't know. Maybe after he killed George, he was like he's like oh like that, that I didn't enjoy that as much as I used to. Like maybe I'll
0: just fuck with these kids, you know? Yeah, and then they would he's all like, oh you don't like sick people. I'm a leper. Oh run away. Uh, and Then they would all have these extended fantasies where Pennywise would kind of come to them, and there's so many fucking characters. Was like I don't need this many characters by a lot. I mean, you, sh- you should have whittled it down to like three. But all these characters have these well, weird. Well, kill fantasies. like two of them. Yeah, there's kill your the Jewish right kid. Yeah. You know,
1: don't kill the black kid because that's gonna seem racist. That's racist. But, you know, yeah, like keep him alive.
0: Yeah, you know, maybe kind of maybe.
1: It, kill, well, you, I guess you can't kill Ben, but maybe the the other kid. Um, uh, the the. The one that runs his mouth a lot and would always yeah like, Stranger Things yeah talk shit like maybe kill that kid yeah too.
0: kill him you know no, he was fun I like, keep him up. Yeah. kill the fat kid like he's too slow like they're all running and he's like no guys wait I they need, they need up. to, have, they need to have that love triangle in the next movie so they got to have Ben they've got to
1: have Bill and they've got to have Bev the three Bs all right all right so I, I think we've we've t- said about as much as we can about the pet uh, the its. So let's talk about another one, um, Pet Cemetery. This is a movie that I think they are considering making a remake for. I I feel like there's been talk about doing a remake for a while now, and I really feel that this is something that has a lot of potential to be a very scary, if not great, horror film. Um, I, I read the book when I was a kid. The book had some really creepy parts. The unsettling thing about it was feeling that there was this, um, this sort of like evil force that you were just powerless to, to resist and that there was basically no way of stopping it and that the things that happened in this story were just a continuation of things that had been happening for hundreds of years and were going to continue to happen into the future. Um, the movie came out and I remember as a kid watching the movie and the movie's scaring the crap out of me, mm-hmm. and I feel embarrassed to say that now because I've gone back rewatched the movie, and the movie is garbage.
0: Yeah,
1: um, it's not as bad as the sequel, Pet Cemetery Two, which was just a hot garbage fire. Mm-hmm. But it's um, it's it's a hokey movie, like, yeah. and it sucks because there is like they could have made that a a good scary movie, and yeah. I don't know if it was just a bad director or if it was just Nobody at the time knew how to make a really good horror movie, uh,
0: but it was... What's the general premise, though? Or let me let me say what I think the general premise is, and you correct me when I kind of fall okay. off the... So you have a pet, your pet dies. Now, this is a sad, you know, traumatic moment for a kid, so this is perfect fodder for a horror story. You got a dead pet, and then now you've got this place where pets are supposed to be buried, the pet cemetery. Now, that's where it kind of falls off reality, like... In the big city here, if I had a pet that died, I'd probably just throw it in a dumpster in a garbage bag and, <laughs> and mark it uh, "pookie" or something like that.
1: Uh, of course, you're well known as the sensitive character uh, on this show.
0: <laughs> but I mean, what are you supposed to do? Like, go f- find a hole and dig in somebody's backyard? Be like, "Hey, uh, I dug this," uh, you know. I don't know, but let's say you live in the country someplace, are you supposed to, like, bury... And I grew up in the country. As did I. Are you supposed to bury the pet, like, in your backyard? Yeah, like man, you, you dig, dig a, a grave hole for it,
1: and you make a little makeshift, uh, uh, you know, grave marker for it. In your floor. own yard? Usually you just take two pieces of wood, you nail them together and put it down. You're like, here, here rest, uh, you know, Poochie. Mm. Poochie was a good dog. You know,
0: Even though he only had one good leg, he was a good August dog. 3rd,
1: 1987 to September 5th, 1991. <laughs> <laughs> no, so the premise of Pet Cemetery is uh, there's this family that moves to this uh, rural town in Maine, of course, because it's Stephen King. And when they get there, their house is right alongside this country road that a lot of these uh, trucks use to go flying up and down this road. And um, they, they have a daughter, they have a, a toddler, and they have a cat named Gage. No, no, the son's name is Gage. I forget the name of the cat. But so, um, you know, right away, the cat gets killed. The cat gets out of the house, runs out into the road, gets smushed by a truck. They've got uh, this neighbor, and, um, you know, if you watch South Park and that character on, the, on, on there, that oh, that rolled off? You don't yeah. want to go down that road, Dad. That's that's the character from Pet Cemetery, played by Judd Crandall in the movie. Yeah. And so uh, they they have a pet cemetery where everyone buries your your pets, and you know because all these pets keep getting killed because of this road. Yeah. Um, but he shows he shows the the main character, uh, the father in the film, he shows him that there's another place that if you keep going past the pet cemetery, that there is this uh, spooky Indian you know kind of burial place to where anything you bury there comes back but what you put in the ground is not the same as what comes back out and so basically it's it's this whole thing where when you put a body into this ground that evil spirits are able to reanimate the corpse mm-hmm. and then it comes back and goes on a murdering spree
0: now why is it why why are the indians evil that's racist
1: it's it's something that um they, they sort of explained it in the movie, and I haven't read the book in so long that I can't recall exactly how it's explained in the book. But basically, it was a, a, a ceremonial grounds for the, this tribe, and I don't know if they were burying their own dead there or if it's where they would hold like uh, um, you know, a burial ceremony. But, but supposedly, the way that it's worded is, the ground turned sour. Mm -hmm. Because they started burying people there, and then they would come back, but they would come back evil. And then, of course, white people move into the area, and fucking white people ruin everything. Of course. And so, you know, throughout the years, people had been burying, like, their pets, or there's a story of, like, a father, and, like, his son went to World War II and got killed in action, and so he decided to bury him there. And when he came out, is basically like an evil Frankenstein's monster. And, you know, uh, the Kinda townspeople like decide a, to burn down his house. has like
0: an Edgar Allan Poe kind of vibe to it. Yeah, yeah,
1: it definitely has has that vibe to it. And it's one of those things, too, where part of the horror comes from the fact that it's a, it's a secluded area. So it's not like you can expect, like, the police are going to come in and rescue you. It's, it's basically the people that live in this area are left to fend for themselves. And it, it does one of the things where I think, I think this is fertile ground for a lot of horror stories, mm-hmm. which is you take a grieving parent... Um, with with a, uh, a dead child and you you put them in an emotional state where they cannot deal with their own grief and they want nothing more than, the, than to bring their child back by any means necessary and then you give them the means to bring it back, to bring their child back without ever thinking about the consequences of doing such a thing
0: does that happen in the movie that a kid dies and they bury the kid yeah so um, yeah that's good we should keep that yeah
1: so well i mean i think if they do a remake you have to keep pretty much everything that's there you just have to take all these things and do it better yeah because in the movie um one of the things they did that was really effective uh in scaring me as a kid Mm -hmm. was the the wife in the story she talks about how she had a sister that had spinal meningitis, mm-hmm. and so she was sick and dying as a child. And what they do in the movie is they actually have a very thin man um, play the, the the sister, and you know they make they make him look all ghoulish, and so there's scenes with, with um there there's scenes with with that sister in flashbacks. But then when she goes back to her childhood home, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, now she can see ghosts. And so the ghost of her sister like, comes out and scares the shit out of her, which scared the shit out of me as a kid. Yeah. Um, and during this time, that's when the father takes his son, who got run over by a truck, and he decides to bury his son. He digs his son's grave up and then buries him um, on this uh, spooky haunted you know, burial ground. Mm-hmm. And his son comes back and immediately just starts killing people. First, he did it with the cat. The cat came back evil. And through his grief, you know, he didn't realize, like, eh, I probably shouldn't fuck with this. I should probably just, you know, maybe move on, give it a few years. If I can get over this, make another kid. Um, you know, because that's the great thing about kids. Like, you can always make another one. Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, what in the stories... What if the movie ended by they didn't kill the kid. They, like, locked him in the room with, like, a padlock lock and he was always like banging at the door like all crazy well no that's one of the that's one of the actually
1: actually like sort of heartbreaking scenes in the movie is when the father realizes that he has to kill the kid because the kid is evil Mm -hmm. and so it, it shows him killing the kid but this is after the kid has killed the wife and he decides that the thing that he needs to do is he needs to since his wife's like he thinks that the reason why these corpses keep coming back is evil is because he waits too long between the moment they die and when he buries them there, mm-hmm. and so because the wife just died, he thinks if I take her right now and bury her there, she'll come back as herself, not as an evil spirit. And both the book and the movie ends with with her coming back, and you realizing like this isn't over. Like she's probably gonna kill him, and then how many other people is she going to kill before someone finally takes her out
0: right
1: yeah that's that's good we
0: can keep most of that just got to make the movie better
1: yeah you got to make the movie better and I I think something like you know the the idea of having this country road and like having that be an ever-present threat like that is something to where you know you you can have that in the story and just instead of it being like, oh, there's a killer on the loose, and he got this person, you know, like, this person is just evil. It's one of those things where it's like, it's not that anybody was evil, it's just a set of circumstances, and mistakes were made, and, yeah. and bad things happen, and now this person is dead, and you're dealing with grief, but then you throw in horror elements to it, and there's, there's a lot that you can do with that, and I feel like it just it was done so poorly in the movie dealing with that because there's also another ghost Mm. that only the father can see but for some reason this ghost is following around the mom and he's trying to talk to her and the ghost knows that the mom can't hear him yet Mm -hmm. they keep having scene after scene of the ghost trying to communicate with her and you know she never hears him she never heeds the warning or anything and so it's just like what was the point of that even whereas there's something you could do with that and like Maybe have the ghost, like, she can't see or hear the ghost, but the ghost can interact with her in ways to where she just doesn't understand what's going on. You see her trying to deal with it, and then you think, like, oh, is, she, is the ghost going to be able to tip her off before she walks into her own doom?
0: It's, it's weird to me that they get so far away from, like, the pet aspect of it. It seems like you could play well, the,
1: that. The, the pet, the pet aspect of it is just the title of it. Mm. It's just the title of it.
0: But like you know, if you, when your pet dies, that's so sad. When you're a little kid, it seems like there's so much good stuff to mine out of that.
1: Well, yeah, and it's also like the idea of. Um, you know of these of these kids like burying their pets thinking they can bring their pets back and then like seeing this evil thing and how traumatizing and horrific that would be to number one suffer from from losing your pet and then number two like thinking that you can bring your pet back and having all that hope and instead like getting the exact opposite of that you get this this insane murderous undead evil creature that has taken on the form of your pet, so now it's it's basically mocking your grief, but also threatening you with it at the same time. Wait, so does... The... And and then you take that even further, and having a grieving parent go through the same thing, their dead
0: child. But does... The, so the kid, he gets depressed about the pet?
1: Well, no, it's the the... The, the cat gets killed. Mm-hmm. And then the father, like... The neighbor shows him where to bury the cat... You know, because it's it's the whole thing of like introducing something to another character, and so basically you're passing this curse on to somebody else.
0: Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. I mean, it seems like it's all there in the in the way that it's already written, but and I guess the execution was just so bad.
1: I mean, watch the movie, and there's there's some elements of the movie to where you watch it and you're like, oh yeah, I see how this could be something, but when you watch the whole movie, it doesn't it doesn't
0: reach you in the way that it ought to. So it's a good opportunity to do a remake where you could actually make the material better. Exactly. And see that that's what we need more of with our remakes is like make the material better not take something that's already perfect and fuck it up like Robocop. Well and
1: I think that's part of the reason why it was successful because it took something that that basically had a lot of flaws and wasn't already good and it found ways to improve upon those flaws you know maybe not necessarily finding its own voice but it, it you know it took something that that already existed and improved upon it and i think you could do even more with pet cemetery because i feel like there is there are enough elements there for it to be horrific and at the same time the first movie and the sequel weren't really good so you can improve those and, and you said exactly what i have thought about so many of those remakes don't remake a good film remake a bad film with a good concept and there's a ton of films that have good concepts that were executed so horribly that you could make a remake of it and yeah i I think but the reason why they don't do that of course is because they want something that already is popular and has a built-in audience and it's just like look like
0: that's how you shoot yourself in the foot
1: exactly you're you're not going to make it better than it is And even if something... I mean, like, RoboCop has its own flaws, but RoboCop is so beloved, you're never going to make a RoboCop that's better than that RoboCop.
0: But at this point right now, they're not concerned at all with making good movies. That's sort of the sad state of the industry. Oh, yeah. It's like, they just want to make something that will make money, and they could give a shit if it's good or not.
1: But it sucks, because when you do make a good movie, like you can sit there and make money on the on the initial box office you can make money on the DVD and download sales or I should say Blu-ray yeah, um, And you can also make money off of doing re-releases you mm-hmm. know TV putting it on net like like you can make all kinds of money whereas if you make something that shitty that you know makes 20 million dollars in it's opening weekend and then just steadily declines from there most people aren't going to give a shit by the time it gets out to Blu-ray and when it gets to on-demand and when it gets to you know all your streaming services. People aren't going to give a shit
0: and nobody's going to want to watch it. All right. Well, I think that's all we have for this episode. Yeah.
1: Uh, if you listen to this and you think you have some good ideas for remakes, feel free to reach out to us with those ideas and we can try and talk about them in a future episode. Of course, uh, the way to reach out to us is sequelitispodcast at gmail.com. Uh, And then we also have our Facebook and Instagram and Twitter pages. Sometimes we go on there. Um, But whatever. Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for listening. Bye.